Well, good morning, church, um, and welcome again. Uh, welcome to those of us who are joining online. Um, it's so cool. We have like I think over a hundred or so. Um, Benji could probably give the numbers. Yeah, a hundred or so people who join us. Probably families, you know, that join us um, every weekend from all over, whether they're streaming locally or streaming from another state. Um, that's pretty cool, and uh, uh, I love that. And so glad that you're here uh, this weekend. Um, we were in a series, and I think my, I'm waiting for my slides to come up here, uh, but we're in a series called It's Just a Phase. And um, as you saw in the video, uh, you know, it's, it's been this series where we focused on the, the brevity of time that um, we have to influence uh, a child's life. And we've been an, encouraging um, all of us to be strategic and thinking about how does the family and the church partner together to create something um, that is more impactful for the life of a child than if either one tried to influence the faith of a child on their own. And so two weeks ago, we kind of introduced the concept by talking about thinking orange to say if you combine those two influences that parents would bring additional voices, you know, into the life of a, of a child, um, you get orange and uh, you have uh, an opportunity for a greater impact. We've, we've said that a phase is, is simply a time frame in a kid's life when you can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future. And we've uh, created this timeline um, to help us to visualize and um, strategize about, okay, from zero to 18, I have this block of time. How do I capitalize on that? And we, we uh, printed those off for you, for those of you who are parents, to put them on your fridge, um, giving you little magnets um, to write your kids' names on them, and uh, to, to put them on the, on the fridge and like put where your kid is at on the timeline. And we still have those out there and encourage you to, uh, um, to get some if you, if you haven't yet. Uh, last week, Pastor Earl talked about the parent plan uh, that we are uh, working on, that if you would go here and sign up um, to be a part of the, the parent plan, that every year you'd get like a birthday packet and you'd pick up here at the church um, that would provide you with resources specifically for um, your child uh, that's customized for their age for that year. Um, not, a, not a whole, you know, host of curriculum or anything, but simply some thoughts and ideas to help you to be intentional about discipling them uh, throughout the year. And today we've got a great resource out there called the Family Discipleship Packet. Um, wasn't actually something that we, we wrote, but another church um, has blessed us with and has blessed other churches with. And it's a great tool, and I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. Um, last week, when Pastor Errol was closing his message, he talked about what got him in the message. And, and uh, I've, talking to some of you guys, it, uh, it, it kind of stirs that emotion and, and it gets you at different points. And he talked about how, you know, it's, it was at the end when you know, she comes back and she pulls off the painting and sees the cute little tree on the wall. And I was like, okay, that's cool. That didn't get me. There's some other things that really didn't get me in the video. Uh, this one right here. Because I'm looking at that floor and I'm thinking like, what are toys doing on the floor? Yeah. And if you're a parent, you know, like if your kid is off Legos on the floor, how painful that is. Like when you step on a Lego. That definitely didn't get me. This didn't get me. Because I'm like, what? what are you doing drawing on the wall? Come on. 
You know better than that. And it's never like, oh, I'm going to draw a nice artsy tree. No, it's like, how fast can I scribble all over the wall before mom, like, catches me? That's usually what it is. So you come back in, you're like, all right, break out the paint. All right, let's go. It wasn't this. So I'm thinking, she's not taking care of the dog. I'm going to have to take care of the dog. I'm going to have to potty train it, you know. I'm going to have to pick up. I'm, I'm just trying to get on a diaper stage with my youngest. Like, I don't want to pick up the, you know, poop from a dog. It's not this, because I'm thinking, who the heck is Cody? <laughs> What's so special about Cody? Like, come on, Callie. Like, let's come hang out with Dad. Forget Cody. Tear that off. Throw it away. It's not this. Because you know what I'm thinking? She's laying in her bed texting Cody. When she should be focusing on her earth science projects, all right? So let's get our priorities straight. It's definitely not this, you know, senior prom dress, because if she's looking in the mirror, making sure she looks good, what's happening? I'm downstairs talking with Cody. (laughs) I'm having a conversation with Cody. I'm like, listen, Brody, all right, 10 o'clock, not 10.01, okay? And by the way, GPS is enabled. I know exactly where my daughter is. And by the way, here's her brother, Curran. He knows jujitsu because I taught him, all right? So we'll be watching UFC till you get back, all right? What gets me in that video every time is that very first slide. As soon as that first note and the music starts to hit and it pans over, it's a girl. Because I specifically remember like yesterday, the moment that I was in that hospital room and the doctor pulls out the baby girl and, I'm, and my wife was like, what does she look like? I'm like, uh, she has two arms and two legs and she's covered in weird white stuff. And, and then the doctor handed her to me and I remember holding her for the first time and just being in awe of this incredible, this incredible life that I've been blessed with. And I'm holding her and I'm thinking, and how can in an instant, how can, I do, how can I all of a sudden have this huge heart of love and compassion for this human being? And I remember thinking in my mind, like, you know, we sang, he's a good, good father because God is and he's communicated that to us through his word and that God loves us unconditionally. He loves us so much how deep his love is for us. And I remember thinking, God, She has no idea how much I love her. She has no concept, and yet I would do anything for her. How much is his love for me? Like, my comprehension of his love must be like that of an infant. Like, because if I think I can comprehend and understand the love of God in my life, it's gotta be infinitely greater and deeper than my understanding. And I remember just being overwhelmed as I held her at this, this, the reality of this stewardship that God had just entrusted to me. Because that's what parenting is, right? It's a stewardship. And we talked about that in Deuteronomy 6. Errol unpacked that a couple weeks ago. Talking about how us as parents were the primary caregivers and primary disciplers, primary spiritual voices in the life of a child. And this whole series has been, um, the idea has been to paint this picture of how do we 
do that well? How do we do that well as parents to be the primary spiritual voice? How do we do that well as a church to come alongside families, to be an additional voice, to influence the faith of uh, other kids? I'm so thankful I, I grew up in, um, in a home that, that valued Christ and we went to church and my mom's here this weekend and I remember that, that moment when I was like, I think I was five years old and it was in my bedroom and my mom was talking to me about you know, giving my life to Jesus. I remember making that decision. I remember a year later when I was baptized and Pastor Bob, he baptized me. I remember that. I'm so thankful that I had parents who valued Christ and wanted to pass him on to me and help me make my faith my own. So thank you, Mom. Thank you. <clears throat> and this video, it's amazing how watching this can kind of bring that up and, and kind of make you sentimental. But at some point, we've got to move beyond the sentimentality and create momentum toward this process of discipleship. We've got to have a sense of urgency because that influence, that time of influence is so short. You think 18 years, it's a long time. And we know it flies. Because all those, you know, old people tell us, it, time goes by so fast. You know, as Errol talked about last, last week, it does. And influence is such a key part of discipleship. And that's what I want to have our discussion around today is the nature of, of discipleship and this, um, this, this command, this commission that Jesus has given us. And it's, of course, um, for everybody who follows Jesus. And it's especially true for parents, for Christian parents who are trying to, um, to raise their kids. You are a discipler. Jesus has, has put that call on your life. And discipleship, uh, essentially, the way I understand it, a disciple is someone who's committed to follow Jesus, right? Discipleship, essentially, is helping others develop an active, growing faith in Jesus. And that's in your notes. If you have the app, you can type that in. Or if you, you know, have notes that you're writing on, you can write that down. Discipleship is simply helping others to develop an active, growing faith in Jesus and encouraging them in a way that faith starts to grow and blossom. So how do we do that? Because so much is at stake. God has called you and I to be the church, the community, community that is set apart to steward this calling and to live out his purposes to reflect his glory and goodness. And a huge part of that is passing this on to the next generation. So how do we do that? Well, before we talk about kind of a, a strategy of how, I want to just look at Matthew 28. So if you would turn in your Bibles there, Matthew was written um, by a guy named Matthew course. He was a uh, disciple of Jesus. He was a tax collector. He was one of the, one of the 12. He, um, when he wrote the book of Matthew, the audience is, um, was probably uh, primarily Jewish, who uh, grew up in the Jewish faith, the Jewish culture. Some of the other gospels, you can kind of tell they're writing more to a Gentile um, audience. But Matthew has a lot of those Jewish distinctions. He really argued um, and tried to convince and encourage the people of Israel to say, hey, this Messiah that you've been placing your hope and trust in, Jesus is the one. He is the one. And so, um, we, we'll start at, uh, we'll actually start at verse 16. 
Verse 16 says this, and this is, this is so, uh, this, these four verses have so much packed in. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted, or some hesitated, as some other translations say. But let's pause there. It says, they went to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, mountains, um, uh, in, in the book of Matthew, that's, that's kind of a significant thing. It means that Jesus is doing something and about to say something very, very important. If you think back and look back in Matthew 5 to 7, Jesus gave a sermon on the mount. Yeah, he was on this mountainside and he was giving a sermon. Actually, scholars and, and if you read in commentaries, there's actually a, a big parallel there with Jesus giving this sermon on the mount. There's a parallel to Moses giving the law on Mount Sinai. And essentially, symbolically, Matthew is saying, Jesus is, you know, you, you take Moses in the Jewish faith, and he was one of the cornerstones, one of the key prophets and teachers. Jesus is now saying that he is a key prophet and, and teacher. Not just a key prophet and teacher, the key prophet and teacher. Because he was saying, you have heard it said, as you have heard it said in the law, but now I say, he was turning the world upside down for them and bringing this new way of understanding God and understanding the law and understanding him. And that was significant. And so now he's back on this mountain. And I think, and I think Matthew notes that point because he's, he's, he's bringing us in and he's saying, this, this, is, this is huge. This is huge. Verse 18 then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Again, let's pause there. All right? Because what Jesus is saying, essentially because of earlier in the chapter when he resurrected, Jesus is saying everything the Father has given to me. Everything is mine. And I believe that Jesus, with these words, is trying to embolden and give courage to his disciples. He's casting vision. He's saying, listen guys, everything is mine. The work on the cross that I did should make you bold, should give you courage in this next imperative that I'm about to tell you. And we need to pause and sit in that because I believe that one of the first things on our minds every day as we go out to live the Christian life is the fact that Jesus is on the throne, that Jesus has all power, that Jesus has all authority. Guys, that's so important. That should light a fire in us for this task that he's called us to do. That no matter what happens in our government, no matter who gets elected, no matter who is in power, there is no power that is greater than the power of Jesus. And I've heard, you know, people kind of say like, oh yeah, I feel bad for, maybe you said it, and I'm not trying to dog you or anything, I feel bad for the kids growing up nowadays because the world's just, just so much crazier than it was before. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree, and it is getting crazy, and this and that. But at the end of the day, at the end of every single day, Jesus is still in power. Jesus is still on the throne. And that should give us hope 
That should give us hope. That should spark in us a desire to live for him, to live out his purposes, and to embody that hope for the world, especially for our, our families. How often do you remind yourself of that? And then he comes to the next phrase, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And of course, in, if you go to like Bible school or any sort of Bible study class, anytime they'll say, whenever you see the word therefore, ask yourself, what is that therefore? dry, you know, academic humor from Bible teachers. But it's so true because you say, okay, therefore, he's like, in light of my authority, in light of my power, in light of the fact that I am now on the throne, ruling, go and make disciples. And I look at that, and and that's a daunting task because I know myself. And some of you guys are thinking, yeah, I know myself. I'm a follower of Jesus. I know myself. Like, God, you would entrust that to me? Like you would entrust me with your message and your mission? And I've had plenty of times where I'm, I'm talking with people. I was at a concert like a month ago and, and I'm up front and I'm standing next to this guy and somehow we got talking. He starts unloading how he used to follow Jesus and, and then he started experiencing this demonic oppression in his life. And for the past two years, he feels like any time he, he tries to pursue Christ, he just feels like, like literally like demons or Satan just oppressing him and it it becomes so difficult. He's like, I just gave up. It's just easier to not try to follow Christ. And in my mind, I'm just praying desperately for him and I'm thinking, God, how can I encourage him? How can I just remind him that he's made in God's image, he's made in your image and needs to be connected with you. And, And God provides, I've walked away from so many of those conversations where I was like, how did I even like it was an out-of-body experience. My mouth starts moving, and it's like, that was just God. That was the Holy Spirit working in and through me. I've had times, you know, as a youth pastor, walking in on a Sunday night thinking, these, these kids don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I've been doing this for 12 years. So I, I've had times where I've walked away. I'm like, I have no idea if anyone in the room was even dialed in or paying attention. And then I'd get home and, and I, I literally, I've had times where I'm like, I should just quit. And then I get a text from a student, thanks so much, that thank you for what you taught that like impacted me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like God is just good and, and he is with us because that's what he says like right at the end, right? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And with family discipleship, it's no, it's no different. He's with us. He's with us. And I believe that one of the keys to establishing this, um, this family discipleship, and this is not just for families. Obviously, if we're called to make disciples, and this is, this is applicable to, to all of us who are making disciples. Um, but this idea of family discipleship, I, I believe one of the keys is establishing rhythm. Right? And you see that all throughout Scripture. Like God establishes rhythm. He says, you know, he created seven days. He says, work six Rest one, work six, rest one. There's a rhythm there. There's a rhythm in some of the festivals that he appointed for people to celebrate. And you can write that in your notes. I think it's the word rhythm that you need to fill in. But how do you establish a sustainable rhythm? And so um, 
thus comes like this idea and, th- and that family discipleship packet. I'll, I'll be honest, like a couple weeks ago, I was telling a friend about um, what we were uh, teaching on. He said, oh, there's, a, there's a, a podcast that I listened to, a guy named Matt Chandler. Some of you have maybe read some of his books or listened to the podcast. He said, they did a series back in the spring and you should check it out just for some ideas. And I, I, went, I went to the website and I, I came across this family discipleship packet. I'm like, that is gold. And then it said like, hey, you know, you can use this free for your ministry as long as you don't try to sell it or change any of it or anything like that. I thought, absolutely. And what it does is it explains three lenses in which to intentionally disciple in your family. And not only to, to bring more intention and to schedule intention into it, but also to evaluate, to say, how are we, how are we taking advantage of these areas? So here are the three areas. We're just going to talk about them. The first one is time. Time, creating intentional time built into the rhythm of the family's life for the purpose of thinking about, talking about, and living out the gospel. All right? Time. How do you take advantage of of time? And whether you're in a family with kids and you're trying to do that, or um, most of us, you know, live in some sort of type of community environment, whether, you know, you're married and it's just the two of you, um, or uh, you're you're living at home with, with whoever, how do you bring intentionality, intentional gospel conversations into the time that you have? Errol's focus last week was, was on how the gospel changes our parenting. It's so key to have those foundational pieces. This might mean establishing a, um, a new rhythm. You may say, hey, how can I... Um, Maybe we take one night a week. As a family, we plan to eat together. And afterwards, we, we read some scripture and pray. And that may be the, the start. Maybe you're saying, hey, once a month, let's find somewhere that we can serve together. Maybe it's just looking at your already busy, packed schedule and saying, how can, again, we bring more gospel intentionality to how we do bedtime, to how we, you know, do our commute when we take our kids to sports, to how we intentionally have conversations when we walk out of the doors of the church and get into the car. For us, um, one of the things that we try to be very intentional about is, um, is like these little creeds that we have our kids say. And um, one of them we call the Jesus Creed. And, and he asked me, he asked any of my kids, um, except for Merrick, he's still working on it. He's like three. Um, but you ask Curran, and every time I drive him to school, I say, Curran, What's the Jesus creed? And it comes from Matthew 22, you know, where someone asked Jesus, what's the greatest law? And um, I'll say, Curran, what's the Jesus creed? He says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love other people as yourself. Simple truth. I mean, and, and there's other things like we have a, like a Domingo creed that we do. And I say, Curran, what are you? He says, I'm brave, I'm strong, and I'll never give up even when things get tough. I never lie, cheat, or steal. I never whine, complain, or make excuses. And those are like just little values that I just want them to know and internalize. And some people are like, well, you're just indoctrinating your kid. And I'm like, yeah, kind of, but so are you. I mean, because some people will push back and they'll say, well, I just want them to choose for their, well, you're indoctrinating them because you're saying, hey, you as a human being have, the, have the, the power to decide what is true and what is not. Like you're, you're still giving them a framework, I'm just giving them a different framework. The ability to, or, or the challenge to say, there's a God out there, absolute truth, and we can know him, 
and trust him and believe him. Um, this connects with the timeline in, uh, in this way. So you got the timeline, right? And so we talk about those birthday packets. We're just trying to say, hey, each, each year of your kid's life, maybe even pick a topic Pick something that you're going to focus on and teach on throughout the year. So you see those words in bold. That's a way to bring intentionality to the time that, that you spend. The second lens to look through are moments. Moments, capturing and leveraging opportunities in the course of everyday life for the purpose of gospel-centered conversations. How do we do that? Jesus did this all over the place, right? He said, you know, uh, someone said, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Jesus says, hey, whose inscription is on the coin? He said, it's Caesar's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. He would capitalize on these moments. So the, the question would be for us who are discipling kids or if, if you're just trying to disciple someone else, encourage them in their faith or lead someone to Christ, how do you capitalize on moments for the sake of the gospel. And this is tricky, right? Because uh, one of the ways I do it, you know, so I'm picking up current from school. I try to connect those abstract concepts that we've, we've taught to say, Kern, how did you love other people as yourself? How did you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength at school today? And we'll kind of have a conversation around that. Or when something happens, we try to leverage those opportunities. And again, it can be tricky. It can be, you can get kind of, cheesy and then start throwing Bible verses on like every little thing. And that's, that's not the point either. But it, one of the important things is to normalize these, those faith conversations. Um, the final one, or how that's connected to the timeline here, um, you look at the, you know, the top here, love God with all their heart. How do you, again, bring that from the abstract to the concrete? How do you meet kids at their needs at each phase, embracing their physical needs, engaging interests, affirming their personal journey, mobilizing their faith. How do you do that in order to make their faith real? And, and I love in the family discipleship packet, it's got a whole host of ideas. And one of my favorites is developing a discipleship language, teaching kids what, you know, scripture says and, and, and being able to talk in a way like kind of a, a faith language it's a great resource. I would recommend picking one up on the way out. And finally, milestones. Marking and making occasions to celebrate and commemorate significant spiritual milestones of God's work in the life of the family and child. And you see it in scripture, right? Jesus is at a wedding celebrating. Um, there are festivals that, that they celebrate, coming of age, ceremonies. These are things that we, we do, right? We celebrate holidays. We have traditions in our family. But it can be so easy to just, just make a birthday into, hey, let's just open presents and eat cake and, and sing happy birthday and then, you know, play with toys. How can we bring some gospel intentionality to those milestones to help kids celebrate what God has been doing in their life this past year? You know, it may mean, you know, at a birthday, you just take a little time to go around the table and have everyone affirm that child for what they see God doing in their life. And that connects to the, the timeline here that we've, we've provided in that there's these milestones at the top. The baby dedication, which uh, took, we, we did one uh, two weeks ago, which was awesome. Um, 
celebrating their first day of school, these, these, you know, the, the moment they trust Jesus, uh, when they turn 13, this coming of age deal, driver's license. These are things in which we celebrate normally, but we have to ask, how can I, how can I bring intentional discipleship into the mix? Because that's what this is all about. But here's the thing we can't forget. We cannot forget that discipleship doesn't necessarily start with a packet, doesn't start with having the right answers, with having a framework. Discipleship, and the most effective way, because if you're missing this piece, if you're discipling a kid, if you're discipling someone you know, you know at work or at the gym, wherever it is, if you miss this piece, you miss out. The best way that you can influence the life of another human being, whether it's your kid or a friend or an acquaintance, is through a relentless, passionate pursuit of following Jesus. You've got to own it for yourself. You've got to even take that timeline and say, okay, what time am I intentionally putting into this week in order to lead myself or have Jesus lead me? Have Jesus disciple me because we've got to sit at the feet of the Father and say, God, teach me. Teach me to follow you. And as I was preparing this week up in my office, I was, I was kind of planning. I'm like, oh, these are great ideas and I could share all this stuff. But, and, and trust me, there's like way more in the packet than I could even share from the stage this morning. But I came to the end of it and I knew I was going to close with this idea of modeling the, the, the gospel and I wrote that down on a card, and, and the minute I finished that sentence, I was like, I was just convicted. And I fell to my knees, and I just begged God. I said, God, give me a heart that beats for you, a passion that burns for you, so that this faith, this real faith that you're developing in my heart would spill over to the lives of my kid. Because this is the next generation, you guys. And we want to see the church rise up and be who God has called them to be. And we want to see kids grow up and lead subsequent generations. And it starts with our heart. Where is your heart? Dads, where is your heart? Does your, your faith spill into the life of your spouse, of your kids, of your coworkers. Relentlessly, passionately pursue following Jesus. Friends, this is our mission. And we can do this. Why? Because Jesus says, surely I am with you to the end of the age. We cannot fail. We cannot fail. So as we're kind of gearing up to head into this holiday season, and for some of us it's stressful, for some of us we'll be with family and, and this and that, capitalize on this season, on this time, to say how can we bring down the gospel to bear on our lives so that God will be glorified and so that a broken and hurting world will see the goodness of God. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for everyone in this room who is a follower of you, who is 
um, nervous, scared about this discipleship that you have called us to. Give them courage and boldness, God, for every parent in this room who maybe needs to just spend some time reprioritizing this week, confessing, repenting, and pursuing you. Give them boldness and courage and strength. God, may we as a church community continue to have this vision of influencing the faith of our children, God, so that you will be glorified, so that one day we will completely see your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We look forward to that day, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week. Walk with God. There are resources out there. Take advantage of them.